So as we all saw, there was a rematch of last week's Warriors Minnesota Timberwolves game. Of course, Minnesota won this one as well. Um, get straight to the point. We all saw what Draymond Green did. Everybody I've talked to kind of have the same consensus idea about it. Like that was just no. There was no reason for him to do that outside of if you know, you know basketball reasons he ain't gonna really play without Steph Curry because if he play if him and Clay don't get thrown out that game I get you know what happened with Clay he he went a little too far with the Jalen McDaniels thing but if Clay and Draymond play that game they probably can win that one but Draymond yeah, doing, easily but Draymond doing what he's doing do what he did of course put Rudy Gobert in a chokehold for no reason absolutely not the best reason no reason then they end up losing that game. Draymond suspended for five games. Served the lap, served the first game last night. When Draymond does stuff like that, that's and this is five games is five games. Like that's gonna be caught because he don't need to be missing five games for no reason, especially missed beginning of the season already. But when Draymond does stuff like that, that that kind of just lets you know that at this point, like for him to even be comfortable doing that, he knows that. They gonna let me do it. They gonna soon when I come back, it's gonna be all good. Is that what when he does stuff like that? Cause you don't just yeah, do because it. Without, you, yeah, because like, basically you're saying like he you know, knows that the con- it's not gonna be a major consequence. Like the war, the, the war is gonna accept the NDA suspension. They might even say, hey, why did Draymond get these games? Which I haven't really heard that statement out there. But he's like, oh, why did he get suspended for so many games? And then they move forward. Um, it does show his comfortability with doing it. Because, all right, Clay and Jaden got into whatever. Something happened. I think they arms got tangled or something. I don't know. It's only two minutes within the game. So, I don't, know why, why they were, why, I don't even know why they were so upset. It seemed like Clay was more upset first. But whatever. They get in each other's faces. And I'm just reca- recounting because there have been a few people that thought Rudy Gobert did something to Draymond or whatever. Rudy, he tries to remove Clay. Obviously, he's taller than Clay, so once he moves him, his hands is like above, is on his shoulders and stuff. He's trying to move him over. But instantly, as he's moving him over, Draymond comes and grabs Rudy, puts him in the chokehold, walks him down a couple feet. Honestly, walked him down the court a few feet, still in the chokehold. Um, and I think it was unnecessary. We could say that in those situations – to keep anything from happening, the cardinal rule is grab your own teammate. Mm-hmm. So that I, I do want to acknowledge that because I'm gonna be complete. I want to be completely fair about the situation. Rudy shouldn't have went. Which Clay was closer to him, so I don't even think it was a let me grab Clay thing. It, he went to the player that was closer to him, so they weren't gonna scuffle or whatever, and to protect his teammate. But the rule is grab your teammate unless that's like your best friend, your brother, and even in those situations. Go get your teammate. I'm going to get mine. Because then it could be misconstrued as something. So I'm, I want to throw that out there and be fair with that. And Draymond only needs the slightest bit to go. So he sees Rudy grab Clay and he immediately goes at him. But it was unnecessary for what he did because I don't think Rudy went in that with the intent of trying to hurt Clay, trying to push him down. He was pulling him off like people do, players do in those situations. And Draymond instantly went to putting him in the chokehold. He could have pushed him. Like, he could have pushed him. And that would have been enough to get him off of Clay or whatever. But he went to the way that he went. 
And I know in his mind it's going to be I get five games. Well, I don't know because, hey, I don't know that man. So, no, you know, I'm going to put that disclaimer out there too. But based off of the history of these situations, Draymond feels like he gets picked on. Oh, it's me, so I'm going to get this. But it's like at this point, yeah, it is you. So you are going to get this because you just got suspended for stepping on Sabonis' chest. And here we are at this situation. But to your side of your question about the wars, is like he is going to do him because it's, I got to be me if I'm not fully being me. And it's like it, you can't contain him because he can't even contain himself. He's just going to do whatever his emotions tell him to do because his right is I got to be myself, whatever that means. And it's really an excuse because you you could be yourself and still be wrong and can check yourself and things like that. But um, he always thinks, he, you know, there's no police in him. He's going to be him. They gonna do this because it's him, and they just picking on him or whatever. But to wrap it up, I think Draymond what he did was unnecessary. He could have pushed Gobert and got him up off of Clay, and then grab Clay and go to this side. Like they weren't square. Clay and Jaden weren't squaring up at each other. They hadn't thrown no punches. The arms got tangled up. They made the little ugly face, and they got <laughs> each other's face. Like, hey man, get up off of me. What you doing? You doing too much? Curse words probably were exchanged, cool. But they weren't at a point of where they were about to fight. It still was just talking. And, no. But I will, just to end it, I will go back and say I do acknowledge, you have to acknowledge the Cardinal rule that that's why you grab your own teammate as well. I'm going to put that out. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to give him one. And he still went too far, even with that. Rudy should have went after Jaden. He shouldn't have touched Clay. Draymond still shouldn't have put that man in the chokehold. Took three, four, five steps down. Maybe I'm over exaggerating, but then they, he took like three, four steps with him. He got still, close. He, still yoked up. They ended up closer to their bench. And they, they started off by like the free throw line area, uh, yeah, right? Course, nah, like they were sure. by the baseline by the end of that. And it's like, bro, you you walked this man down in the chokehold. He could have choked him, pushed him, got him up off on him. But the, you, weren't, you weren't holding him. You didn't have his hands behind his back or got him in a bear hug. He had that man literally in a... You could take. <laughs> we see the pictures, baby. No, for sure. But with that being said, I'm John W. It's Fresh X. And this is the Hoopers Pod. But no, just my and my last thought on it, like, he has to jump up just to do that. So that's full intent. I don't like, not to be like that, but it's like he had to jump up to even get his arms around his neck to put him in the chokehold. Right. So that's like automatically his first thought that was he was doing that regardless of what was going the situation like you said they weren't squaring up and truthfully by the time if he takes his time and don't rush it like by the time he gets he even gets him it'll be over with like that was gonna be the end of the scuffle like there was no need for him to do what he did exactly and like i said i'm, I'm gonna reiterate it again and that's just how you know we being fair grab your own teammate he still went too far he deserved a suspension um, five games is appropriate because I feel like some like ten would have been would have been excessive, but two wouldn't have been enough because you just got suspended for stepping on Sabonis' chest. It's like, all right, bro, you come on, control yourself at no, some point. Sure. You could have pushed him, got a tech, got a fine, move on with it, but to choke him out, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And I was going to ask you that next, but you already asked that because I know there was a side of Twitter who said. You know that's what it was gonna be a five between five to ten, but that's Adam Silver being soft. It's like I don't like. Yeah, I feel like ten would have been too. Like I, Gobert definitely put on an acting show after uh, he was trying to put me to sleep. Nah, and nah for sure. Like I, like, I ain't hearing all that. Whatever. He he <laughs> did willingly give up though. Like he didn't try to fight him back. Cause you can say what you want. I don't know Gobert personally. 
don't know if he's a tough guy, if he can fight or not, but 7'3", 7'2", 7'1", whatever he is against 6'5", all he had to do was give him one bow, and that would at least got him up off of it. But he, like, he is not showing down. He's so, not trying to not yeah. show Yeah, so he could have fought back in that situation, I guess is my point, and he didn't, which is even more why Draymond deserved five. But 10 is a little excessive because acknowledging Gobert should have grabbed his teammate, and he – he had him, but he ain't have him for real. No, like I said, I know there was a side, there was a side of Twitter who thinks Adam Silver. Like we didn't necessarily got to get into this, like I said, but I think Adam Silver is a little softer than what David Stern would have been, I guess, in this situation. But to be, like I said, to be fair, like where, where do you got? He didn't. It's like more than ten games would have been crazy. Like five yeah. games probably. Five games feel standard. Like at the end of the day. But move on to actual basketball. I think I do think over, over ten would be like ten plus. Like how many? Do you, how many want to get fifteen, twenty? Yeah, like, I don't think it's that serious. But even when you look back on it, like Clay them started. They Clay tried to whatever. We, nah, he deserved five games. I don't think Alshay was being quick decision. Let's move on. No, nah, yeah, but back to basketball. The Warriors are all into in the last couple of games without Steph Curry being there, and. I know, of course, coming into the summer, the Chris Paul trade, you would think he would be there to help alleviate some of that, just being able to keep the offense going, getting players and where they getting the players where they want to be and should be and where they want the ball at. Do you think, especially, I want to acknowledge also that because this is a weird thing to me, I would think that Kevon Looney would have, like one of the people, like there's nothing he can't do to not be a starter, but over the past couple weeks, Kevon Looney hasn't been, hasn't been a starter. Um, Dario Sarge has been taking those, been taking um, the starting spot at the center. Do you think this is kind of where we see teams like the Warriors, who've been championship teams, they would put a piece here, put a piece there, you know, get rid of a piece, replace a piece. They get to that point where the Chris, the Chris Paul trade probably wasn't all right. This is an all-in, one last shot trade, but it was definitely a shot. It was one of those trades that we need to figure out something to keep. Championship window open, veteran players, whatever, whatever. Another like player of Chris Paul caliber, even to this day, will be a good starter on any playoff team. And you ask to a team like the Warriors with a player like Steph Curry, you would expect them to be championship team. Still early in the season, but do you think this is one of the things where like we we might see them chalk up the Chris Paul experience before the end of the season, or they gonna wait to make sure everybody's healthy and everybody's actually on the court before they start actually evaluating the team. I mean, if Dunleaf is doing his job, he should be evaluating them now. And honestly, Chris Paul isn't the, the biggest issue. They needed yet, sure. you. You had to move. Jordan Poole didn't make sense there anyway, no more. He did want his. He clearly wanted his own team. The chemistry didn't work no more. Um, so it it makes sense. And traditionally, Stephen Clay has done well when they have that point guard that can come in and play with. You know, you can use both of those. Usually, it's somebody that comes off the bench. Um, and could do that, but I think the toughest part is figuring out the role players. Um, and that was always a thing, and it was easier when, obviously, when you had KD there, and everybody was at supreme health at that time. But when you had KD there, even then, the emphasis on the role players kind of really mattered, and it's not fitting now. On top of, because I don't think the role players are the part. On top of, also getting less production from Clay. You at least need Clay to be Steph is getting better. Like he's getting better out there, honestly. He he looks he looks great. Like he looks amazing. But you can clearly see the the 
step back in Clay this year, and I, we was talking earlier, and I said, you know, Clay usually starts the season. He don't typically take off until December, honestly, December, January. He usually starts pretty slow, and then he gets hot. I mean, even last year, remember, he started off slow, but he finished the year averaging 21 points per game. But without having a solid bench for real, because they, they role players really ain't. They're, they're okay. Like, Sarek is giving them some production. Kaminga has been solid. People like Moody, but I don't really see it, honestly. Moody isn't – like, he's okay. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's not. Um, I don't love Moody like other people. But he, but in those years, they always had the solid role players, which could play with that um, on top of what Steph playing great. Even if you look at the last championship team, Gary Payne, Otto Porter, um, they had uh, – uh, Dang, not not Felicia, but uh, they always had at least three, four players that you could play on top of having through Steph and uh, right. Dollar. So, and then this year, think about it, you missed Dollar as well too. But I think you got to figure out how to get some depth in some team in on this team with some players that is going to actually produce. And if Clay is really have to, because Clay's averaging fourteen points a game right now. So if Clay is really taking this step back, all right, you got to figure out what do we do with that. On top of the fact of what we haven't talked about this whole time, which is literally just hit me right now. I don't know what's going on with Andrew Wiggins. Like I, you I know, remember the, I was yeah, remember the situation and, and the year they won the championship. He he was an All Star starter. You get the Warriors fan base that helped them push that over, but he was having an all-star. I remember, we were discussing him being an all-star anyway. The starter just was the fan push, too. But he was getting talks as an all-star. I don't know the situation last year. I don't even know the gossip, but I know it was some crazy rumors that was out there about why he missed so much time. But from what I have heard, it was it was just straight personal stuff, so straight, like, mind your business stuff, stuff we don't know about. So that's what we, you know, we don't discuss that on here. But even when he came back in the playoffs – you can see the look. He was good, right? Like he was up and down, but you can see the production there. Like, I, you know, I do. I, I play. We can't bet in Georgia sports betting, but I do prize picks here because prize picks is legal here. I, I mean, I'm putting it out there, but like taking his under on points hits every time because he's just literally not scoring at all this year, and it's a weird case of, you know, what's kind of going on with him um, with Wiggins. I don't know. It's, it's, his decline has been kind of interesting. But just with some of the what was said last year, it, it could still be heavy personal because these folks, you know, he's a real person too, and he's still a young dude. At the end of the day, he's younger than me, you know. I'm 32, 33, how old am I? 33. So he's a young dude. I know he probably has a lot of responsibilities and stuff on him. Who knows what weight they bring into work every day? No, oh, surely. And like I said, I was actually going to bring Andrew Williams up next. Has, uh, Ten points a game this year, and also like he's never been. If nothing else, been. he was an athlete, and he was gonna he get was you never. nineteen to twenty. He's averaging ten points this year. And then it's like, as it seemed like he didn't. You expect that after the championship run, like now nah, maybe he doesn't become an all NBA type player, but you at least expect him to stay in that. You know, he was averaging twenty in Minnesota. He basically averaged like eighteen, nineteen. I think his first year with uh, Golden State. Yeah, he was eighteen, uh, nineteen his first year. Yeah. Like say you see the regression is there. Is it kind of surprising to see it though? Like we've all, of course, everybody's had their funny thing to say about Andrew Wiggins as a player, as far as 
how hard he plays or work ethic or just how much he gives on the court. But he nothing else. He was a walking twenty. He was walking twenty in Minnesota that whole time while we were being fun. While people were being funny about it. Do you think that's kind of was also limiting Golden State offensively and defensively? Him not whatever's going on. Like if it's whatever's personal going on, what I don't know. I can't speak on. It, but do you think just basketball wise that is also was limiting Golden State right now? Definitely because you come back this year and we don't. That's not even discussed that he. People forget that he was an also starter that year that they went to the championship, um, and his he went he his points went down but his efficiency went up. So he still was seventeen. He was shooting thirty nine percent, almost forty percent from three, um, and and so that was there. And especially with missing Clay, and the points that you have with Clay and this team always have fit with having that wing. I mean that yeah that guy on the wing that can attack and score. He was also producing for them defensively as well. So it seems like they just kind of missing all of that. I mean, like his rebounds are down, his assists are down. He's shooting like 13% from three. What is it? Well, well, shout out to basketball reference. All these stats come from basketball reference. Um, yeah, he's like 13% from three, barely at 40% on the field. Um, even like his free throws are down, like him getting there and making them. Um, and like Wiggins is a player that attacks, you know. So he's typically – with it. He he's typically four, five um, free throws a game, attempts a game. And he's at like two, two and a half uh, right now. So the production that you're missing from him is definitely something. And I think what it's come down to is you got to still be in championship mode because you got Steph. Um, and even if you don't win a championship this year, I don't think it's, it's not over. But but this is definitely your chance. Because, I mean, you did kind of mention this earlier. Do you kind of just let it play out this year and really focus next year when everybody's healthy? And it's always harder to make moves in the middle of the season and still win for a check. Because what I think they need to do is they need to make some trades. Like and big, yeah. Like yeah, so these trades aren't yeah. going to lead. Which with Steph, you know, you put somebody with Steph that blends, you never know what happens. But right. who is uh, – and, and I'm not just talking about like you just trade like Zach Levine. That's not a championship. I'm just putting somebody no, out there that can average 20. I'm talking about a, a trade that makes sense, that helps this team, somebody that can play along with Steph but can also carry a weight as well. Um, that type of move at this point in the season doesn't typically lead to a championship this year. But I wouldn't be against them doing it now, start putting it together, start building the chemistry. Maybe you can go on a little play. Like the, the best thing that I thought Phoenix had going for them was at least – KD and Booker went on a little run together. Like, all right, yeah, we went on a little playoff run. We got to the second round. We see some things that we like, and they look good together when they're on the court. <laughs> but they don't never play together. But then you go into the, you know, you get an offseason together, and then it's not a trade during the summer or the trade during the training camp. It works. I think that's what the Warriors should be thinking. That's a different way of tanking, I guess. Because you're not, I don't think that, you're not tanking to lose. But I would be viewing the league like, Everybody play their trade game. I'll do it right now. I'll be looking around the league and see who's out there that we could get, who's available. Shout out to Chris LeBron because he just said this the other day. Me and you have gone back and forth about this over the summer. Shout out to my homie X. Shout out to Free. We have spoken about this also. I'll be looking to see what's up with Brandon Ingram. Y'all commit to Brandon Ingram or Trey Murphy because they need that player, especially if Wiggins is getting the decline. Brandon Ingram works with Steph, and he's younger. Um, all-star player, 25-point-per-game player. I like him better than somebody like Zach Levine or uh, DeMar 
um, because they are who they are, and then DeMar is older. DeMar could help them this year as far as making the playoffs, but I'm talking about winning a championship. And somebody that's going to be hungry and can be there for a couple of years with Steph. Like, I don't see what's up with Brandon Ingram because you're going to have to pick between him and Trey Murphy at one point because Trey, I'm not saying he's an all-star, but he has that. He, he looked like it. He could be it, but he has to let – and then ways they were getting each other, each other away. And then even there's been some weird things figuring out with Zion, but even if it's not – Brandon Ingram, I ask about both of them. What's up with Brandon Ingram or Zion? I take either or. But what's the deal with them? Um, but I, I think that's where the Warriors are to me, because Steph is still championship Steph. I think the best decision is Brandon Ingram, because that's I'm not you know I'm not comparing him to KD, but that's what that is. Steph and KD is not that because KD is KD. But if you're gonna get any type of is Brandon Ingram. He's he's one of the like three people if you wanna try to figure out a way of having that KD. He's gonna be efficient, he's gonna shoot the mid-range, he can shoot threes, he can score on his own, he's gonna be twenty-five points per game. That works there. Um so I would see what's up with that. Cause especially just thinking of who could you get out of anybody else would be a quick fix. Uh like DeMar, I don't think will lead to a championship this year. They'd be competitive, they'll look good, they'll get some wins, but you're like, ooh, could they go? Especially having Steph, but I don't think it does it in the end. Zach is going to provide them empty buckets, honestly. I've, I've, I've always respected Zach Levine's game, but I've never thought he was a building piece. Zach is – if he was your third option, I'd be cool with that. But your second – or and he, I mean, you're going to play with Steph. So, as long as Steph's there, you got a chance. But the only other, like, current player, which he ain't going nowhere, you're going to see what's up with Embiid. You would have to do that around the Harden times. But, but he's out of there. And clearly it's been proven that Embiid is what makes this thing turn, which is like what I've been saying about why why they holding on to these guys. As long as you got him, they sometimes recently these teams haven't got to call up too much in these. But let's keep him and him. As long as you got him, figure that out. But my bad, I'm not going way over. But I would definitely, as far as if I'm looking at the landscape around the league, that player is Ingram, make Jalen Brown, but I don't see – I don't see, he, he just signed the three. I don't see that happening. If you're looking at unhappy all-star players that provide a need for what they do to them, he's not going to do what Wiggins does defensively, obviously. But that's why you keep the GP2s around and stuff like that. But other than Ingram, Zion, you would have to settle for Zach Levine, DeMar. Because, you know, we already had a conversation about Paul George. He's going nowhere. Maybe you can get Kawhi, maybe. You can ask Kawhi if you want to go there. But I think Kawhi is going to the Lakers when LeBron retired. That's my new <laughs> that's my new conspiracy. I'm really on that now when we talked about that the other day. I think Kawhi is going to the Lakers, man. But that's that's my that's not a real thing. Um, nah, sure. But, yeah, <laughs> my bad. But, nah, sure. And, um, of course, like you say, who knows what it is with Andrew Wiggins. Hopefully, you know, he gets that all figured out on his personal time and Stops, you know, start playing, performing better on the basketball court. But Golden State do got a lot to figure out still because they're like, even like last night when they lost to OKC, that was a close game where if two of the three play, even if Steph played, I don't know if Steph is out hurt right now, but if Steph played, if Clay and Draymond played, if just Clay plays, if just Draymond played, they probably win that game. Whereas OKC looks to be a team who's if nothing else, this I like young teams that do what OKC do. Like they know they're young. They know we play defense, we run, 
We got a dude who can score on anybody in Shane Gilders Alexander. I don't know who their coach is, but he's letting them be a young team and letting them do what you want to see young teams do. Even how far do you see OKC going playing like that? Not necessarily. Of course, they got Chet. Not saying they don't play with any type of structure, but their best structure is their youth. Like everyone on the court, Josh Giddy gets up and down the court offensively and defensively. Shea's great offensively and defensively. Chet protects the rim. He gets to the bucket. He's rebounding. Jalen Williams, Isaiah Joe, and Kaysun Wallace seems providing great shooting. Do you think okay? I know I'm not saying like they're just gonna be world beaters or whatever. But do you think OKC can pick it up and maybe scare some teams by the end of the year? So top ten in offense and defense. You have a certified go-to player. Chet is gonna be an all-star. Not this year, but he's gonna be an all-star player. I think this team, especially like as you say about, they are just using their youth kind of right now. But I think that's okay for this year. They're the Memphis team from three years ago, Cleveland a couple of years ago. The young team, that's young team that's kind of good. That can steal some wins. They're gonna make the playoffs. No play in. They're gonna make the playoffs. They probably lose in the first round in six games. If they make it to the second round, they lose in five games. Tough five games. Shea might score 51 game. But they're going to catch some people by surprise because they're talented. They're going to play hard. And their mistakes are not going to be – they're going to be far and few, but it's going to be because of the youth. And that's where they would probably lose in the playoffs. But I think next year is when there will be more pressure on them because now it will be like, all right, where are we going? Because – Presti has just been stockpiling all these picks. And picks don't win championships. And at some point, are you just playing for picks? I know it's, it's cool. But, oh, they got these picks. They're going to draft the number one fifth grader. Like, <laughs> But what does it matter if you never win a championship throughout that? Like, shout out to Danny Ainge. He brought that one championship to, to Boston. Um, he brought the one championship to Boston with the big three. But his and this team has been to the finals because this is still his team. Brad, Brad Stevens is the president of basketball operations. He's making a move right now. It's, it's still Danny Ainge's vision. As long as it's led by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, this is Danny Ainge's team. You know, it is what it is, honestly. Even the still having even with Brad Stevens being the Danny Ainge hired Brad Stevens. Um, but with all that, remember having we got a team for right now and the team in the future thing because they were still winning while stockpiling these picks. They've been to one finals, a lot of conference finals, one championship, been to one finals and no championships. So if you don't capitalize off of them, does it really matter? And at some point, when does Presti capitalize off of them? Because the whole sweep takes of stockpiling the picks in the draft was – to get Wimby. Wimby's with the Spurs. So, there's no Wimby coming in. I've seen some stuff, which I don't know. I'm not a draft guy. Shout out to the draft guys. But I'm not the draft guy. But in, it's been stated that this draft is a weaker draft. No disrespect to none of these young men that's been their lives going to change next year. I'm not saying that. But that's there's no generational talent in this draft. There's no even someone that someone considers – no, the number one pick doesn't even stand out right now at this point. Even like a top three at the number one pick. There's no, not even a Paolo or Anthony Edwards, let alone a Victor or a Chet or something like that. But it's some guys that could be potential 
starters. Maybe an all-star, but I don't, I don't know. So, when did you stop playing for the draft? And when do you either – and if you're not playing for the draft, do you cash in all those picks for a go-to player, a superstar player, which if you look around the league, I mean, who is that right now? Who's available that changes? You're better off with their young players. Honestly, I don't think it's nobody that OKC could trade for in the NBA right now that's going to make them a championship team. I think they're better off with Chet becoming – a top five player in his position in the next two years and Shea becoming a top two player in his position in the next two years and that's your franchise as far as trying to compete. Um, and then you still got the great, you know, you got Jalen Williams, you got, like you said, Kaysen. You got these solid role players around there too and they can all play their role and you add veteran role players to that to help y'all win. But Next year's when it because I they, they eight and four right now I, I believe they're gonna be a top six they might be number six but I believe they're gonna be a top six seed this year probably I really feel like they might get home court like I wouldn't be surprised if they was a four um, but when you were four this year you catching people off surprise you ain't catching nobody off surprise next year like they're gonna game plan for you they're gonna be scouting you differently they're gonna expect you to be better and we see these teams take these steps but. After a while, then it becomes like, is this all y'all going to be? Because look how people treat Memphis now. Let's go two years ago. And how was people treating Memphis then? You can go three years ago. How did people treat Memphis then? How are they treating them now? They were the fun team. Giles energetic. The dunks. The dancing. The energy. They fit with the town. New era after the grit and grind. Catching teams off surprise. They play tough. They still was winning last year. They still finished, made the playoff, no play-in, top whatever seed. And the whole look of it is different. And they're not just stockpiling picks like OKC was doing. So I guess the point of that is, like, it changes real quick when you start winning. The first year, maybe even two years, it's like, hey, all right, it's fine. Even look at Cleveland. When they won two years ago, then they immediately go for the star after that because it stops being fun real quick. So <laughs> you go get Donovan Mitchell because, like, hey, these expectations is going to hit us. But even it's no Donovan Mitchell that you trade. Maybe, maybe, yeah, he probably going to the Knicks. Like, but it's no Donovan Mitchell that you're trading for right now. So you got this year, and I think next year possibly. But it's gonna turn up quicker than they may expect. Nah, yeah, I definitely get what you mean about that. Because even like looking last year with Sacramento, who seems to continue to rise from going up from that third seed last year by on the team playing better. But OKC is in a good position right now. Like I said, eight and four. They got some good wins on the season, of course. Uh, when they beat San Antonio Tuesday night, they kept their play in tournament championship hopes alive. Uh, playing, excuse me, the end season tournament championships alive. Being at one and two in that because you know, lose three games, that's the end of it for you. Like I say, I think we talked about this on the last episode, of course, OKC being one of those young teams who had, could use the in-season tournament to let, let that lead to some team morale, some team chemistry building, knowing that you can't play for something. Like I said, they beat San Antonio the other night. Do you think that was one of those types, like, all right, we actually don't want to get eliminated from this type of wins? Yeah, because, uh, you know, I think it's a way to be competitive. It's a way to build competitive spirit, competitive culture. Um and definitely as you're trying to get ready for the playoffs, I do think OKC is a team that uh, 
you know, the end season tournament really matters too. But I think a lot of teams have felt that way. I saw Dang talking about it and even just talking about the prize money, which that matters to a lot of people too. Um, so, yeah, I think it matters. In, but competitively to to win this or even just to go to the Final Four, uh, is it they doing Final Four or Final Two? I think it's Final Four. To go to the Final Four in Vegas, uh, the first one, I think uh, I think it's a good chance. It, it, it's something that would matter to them. Sure. Like I said, I want to go over Sacramento. Who like was thirsty last year. They were eliminated in the first round by the Golden State Warriors. They seem to keep, they're keeping it rolling this year. Of course, we've seen the big victory over the Lakers the other night. <coughs> they led that whole game. Like, I don't think Lakers had a lead at all that game. De'Aaron Fox seems to be looking to play like an all-star again. Sabonis as well. Keegan Murray is still knocking down shots. Uh, Malik Monk looking like he's trying to throw his name in the six-man-of-the-year ballot. Do you think Sacramento understood, especially with a veteran coach like Mike Brown, do you think Sacramento understood that, that this wasn't going to be last year where they could sneak up and get some wins and they were going to have to be ready for teams' best shots every night even though they were eliminated in the first round? Sacramento, also fun team, uh, up-and-coming team. Caught people by surprise. Now it's like they expect the beam. You're not right, liking the yeah. beam. You're not, not liking yeah, right, the beam on us. So yeah, and they took some little. They you know six and four right now. Uh, they they took a couple of bruises earlier earlier in the year, but you can see them starting to play better, kind of get to themselves, and that's what's going to happen. I think you know in those situations, good. You got Mike Brown, experienced coach, championship assistant coach, um, and then. Clutch first, the first clutch player of the year ever. Uh, De'Aaron Fox leading them, having that core back together, champions on the roster. I think they're going to end up fine this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Sacramento advanced this year. Like, I don't think Sacramento's run last year was a fluke. I think they took, you know, beginning of the year, you know, you, you uh, easing your way into the season. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, go on a nice little run for sure. Yeah. Where are they right now so far? They six and four. They in like sixth place right now. So yeah, I can see them going on a little run. No, for sure. And like I said, they didn't necessarily make much roster change during the offseason. They brought in they did bring in JaVel McGee as backup center. Um, didn't do much else. Would you like to see Sacramento make a make some moves throughout right. the season? Not throughout the season, but make some moves to help bolster the roster though, to go on a run that could possibly lead to a conference final. And that's what's interesting because that's where you see is like, should you make a run? Because part of their slow start at the beginning was it was that not directly, but everyone plays their role in this. Fox was playing well. Sabonis was playing well, but you weren't getting production out of Kevin Herter yet. Um, I feel like Keegan, he was, he was getting into it. But I think you don't have to make moves if those two players in particular – more so for me, Keegan, then you need Herder to play his role. Like Herder, yeah, right. he kind of is who he is in the NBA. Not that he can't get better, but he's if he gets better, he's better, mainly going to get better at what he already does. Catch and shoots, one dribble. Like he's not going to pop up next year and be a triple-double threat. No, or, you know either. what I mean, a threat to be this huge playmaker and now he's running their offense. Um, his role isn't going to be for him to be a 20-point-per-game scorer. Not, not necessarily just a shooter. But his shooting is what drives him on the court. I think you got your all-stars, your franchise cornerstones right now in Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is your best player. He's the go-to player. He's the leader. Sabonis is the rock, the all-star. He 
may just get 18 to 10 one night, and it might be a night that requires him to get 30. <clears throat> I think what could help them take another level to our right, serious team is Keegan Murray, your top pick. Six, what is Keegan Murray? Six, eight? Six, eight, six, eight wing scorer. If he can take his next step as a scorer, that's what put them at the next level. And then you don't have to really consider – because if they look out for somebody, what would they be trying to get? Especially if it's – if we're talking adding name, a name player, it's going to be someone that's doing what I think Keegan should do. He's 14 points right now, and he's, he's shooting under 40 from the field, under 30 from three. I think Keegan – and I only think he needs to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. But if he's 17 to 19 a game – 45% from the field, get 35% from three, because I don't know what he shot from three last year. What was his three like 40, as a rookie? Like 40, 40, That's what I'm, I'm like. He, he was a he – was so he shot 41% from three last year, 45% from the field. That's with 12 points per game. If he – you want those same shooting numbers, but like this year, you're not getting them and he's taking more shots. He's taking the amount of shots that you want, which is good. So that means he's being aggressive. Now it's just like getting the efficiency back there. And if he can get the efficiency to catch up with the fact, because he was 9.8 shots per game last year. Now he's up to 13.7. That Like, I like that. That's not like he's shooting He's shooting worse and he's shooting less. Right. I'm okay with him shooting worse and shooting more because it shows he's trying to be aggressive and he's trying to figure that out. That's honestly not bad to me. If he was shooting less shots and those percentages was down, I might be like, all right, we might need to move on from Keegan. But you shooting a little too much? Okay, cool. Shoot, you trying to figure it out? Yeah, you being aggressive? Because, like I say, even though the shooting numbers are down, scoring is up. A couple the scoring points. is up a couple at points. This point, so you expect, you know, once he does start shooting better, maybe you add three, four more points onto that. Now he is at that 17, 18, where you would like him. To, I, as far as me, right. I still think Sacramento still has the same problems from last year. I know they did sign Javale McGee. But he's not gonna play, and I still think they need one player who's. You think adding role players? Yeah, yeah. You, so when I see, no, I think no, that, that, that's good. See, like, that's I, what I, I think. Of trains a lot of time. I don't necessarily think of star players star honestly players, yeah. because it's like I'm not thinking they of how, how do you fit on the team. Like I'm thinking of what helps bolster this team. What could help bolster this team? instead early in the year, but I still think Sacramento needs to be looking at a, a difference at the rim, at the rim, offensively and defensively. Like say, Javale McGee is cool. He's going to play his position. He's a vet, three-time champion. You got to say that every time you mention his name. But I just don't think he's going to play every night. So I think they could still – That's if they are looking for something, it could be somebody who makes a difference at the rim. Um, big game the other night, Philly and Boston. Once again, came down to the wire. Boston getting the win this time without Jalen Brown or um, Christoph Porzingis in the lineup. Philly was on eight-game winning streak. Uh, that ended that. Tyrese Maxey kind of didn't play his best, who had been great up to that point. Joel Embiid was Joel Embiid. But against Al Horford, he always has to go a little – it's always a little tougher. When teams like that split early game seasons, split the early game matchup, do you think that kind of holds weight later on? And what did, did you see from Boston that kind of still be able to take advantage of some things that Philly need to change? Right, I don't. I can't say that it doesn't hold weight because when you're those teams, you are trying to win that game, honestly, because you know you're gonna see each other down the line. So these are best players in the world. If you have any kind of mental edge, I'll, I'll take it. Like, I'll take it going to the playoffs, saying, "Yeah, we beat y'all in the season series, so I feel good about playing y'all." Or we beat y'all in the season series, so yeah, maybe y'all did make some roster changes, but you got to prove to us that you could beat us because. So far, we've proven we could beat you. And even in my mind, 
I would go into the playoffs thinking like, yeah, we got to beat it, whether that works to your advantage or it makes you press. I go in the series like, dang, they beat us in the season series. Like, we got to beat these people. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So I, I, I don't think it's nothing when teams like that and in the same division because even that matters to NBA players more than people think to lose to your division team. Kind of, kind of a – not a rivalry, but a ri- old school game. It's been around forever. Philly and Boston fans, they don't hate each other or whatever, but it is like a thing because it's, it's always been the East Coast thing, whatever. Um, I think they're – and right now, they're both at the top of the East. I think that matters also. Like, I think they both want the one seed. I know Missoula wanted it – he wanted it last year, and he even spoke on the J.J. Reddit podcast about how it was ironic that the one seed lost to the eight, but I think he still they wants that one seed. Sure. He still want to get it, especially you had it all last year, and – you lost it towards the end, so this game could any win could matter because it could come down to y'all and you can have a tie advantage. Um, but like you said, Embiid always Horford. If anybody plays Embiid well, Horford plays him the best. Um, Philly, obviously, they they are down Ubre now, who was in an accident, um, and Ubre was playing really well for them. So missing that, I think, hurts. Tyrese came down. Cause he didn't have a bad game, I felt like, but, right, but there was how, how he been going off, yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly like you so, I think all that kind of played a part into it. And when you are rolling for so long, which Boston came and won the game, but when you are rolling for so long, eight straight wins, getting past the James controversy, you know, after a while, it is you, you, you kind of a team like Boston is one that could catch up to that, especially somebody that knows how to play you, they play you well overall. Um, you could be down one or two players. You still good because y'all know each other so well, so it doesn't matter. So, I think it's a good win for Boston. Definitely a one up for them, but nothing for Philly to get themselves too down about. Also, though, no, sure, like I say, Philly after that trade, after the James Harden trade, won eight straight. Tyrese Maxey, I don't know if you know, but he's fifth in the league in scoring right now, averaging twenty seven a night. Um, they seem to fill out the roster well after the trade, getting defenders and shooters. I think they can make a couple more moves, like I said, especially with Kelly Oubre, who had been their best player on the wing. And that seems to always still be the one thing that Philly's missing. Shout out to Tobias Harris, who's a great player in his own right. He yeah. does. He plays his position. He plays his role. He's been having a good year. He's been almost having, 20 a game. But I think that's one thing. I'm I'm not going to do a trade thing the whole, this whole time, but we have already started kind of got into that mode where, like I said, Chicago, like we were saying, up, like I was saying last episode, Chicago and Zach Levine have already both agreed to start looking for trade partners. I agree with you with them on the they should be in the Caruso thing. I really think ride the Maxi thing out, pause. Like Maxi being your second option offensively, and especially because you know Tobias is always going to be there as well, and Tobias is going to give you close to twenty. If Maxi can give you, he's not going to finish twenty seven points a game. But I hope so. But if he can average twenty five, twenty three to twenty five with Embiid averaging thirty, that's fine. Had another player like that. Yeah, so. If, if Maxi is averaging 23 to 25 points per game, that's an all-star on the top two team in the East. If Tobias stays at 19.6 rebounds, uh, he's shooting 36 from three, 56 overall from the field. Like, even those are borderline all-star numbers. Like, I think they would – if Maxi's at 27, he's going to get it. But if it came down to the two, Tobias could get some uh, some – that veteran we done passed over you a couple years, love, and he get in. They could get three players. 
way too early. We'll see what happens. But I like you saying maybe they should look again Caruso because um, he fits and he's better than Patrick Beverly. Patrick Be- the Patrick Beverly role is needed by someone that's better than that, Beverly. and he also ain't gonna cause controversy with talking. He's just gonna hoop more. Um, I like having a player like Robert Covington. I just would think if they could get a better version of that. But if he plays his role, Batum, long as it ain't the fourth quarter, (laughs) he plays his role. We need a crip, so it don't matter. (laughs) Right. Um, But that Caruso role in the backup center and still one certified shooter, like Frank Court might get rid of him and get a, like, who is this sniper? I don't know. But find him. Nah. Somebody that can just shoot 42% from three consistently. Nah, for sure. Uh, with a backup center and Alex Caruso in particular. since if Because he, if he's available, he he works in Philly. They don't need Zach Levine. They don't need DeMar DeRozan. Maxi and Tobias are cool. Joel Embiid is the best player in the NBA or the second best player in the NBA. He's somewhere in that range. As long as you got him, they're going to compete for a championship. No, yeah, I, I, I know you're going to pause like that. I was just going to keep going on that. But no, I definitely agree, like you said. But I like to say, with Kelly Oubre missing the hiring, cause I, don't, they, I don't think they, yeah, they ain't put out still a time time table time. yet. Now folks trying to, they, I don't know if they was trying to say he was lying, but the tweet came out that like the police said that they couldn't find surveillance of where he said he got hit at, you know, where he got hit by a car at. And then somehow TMZ has his, Ring camera video. I don't know how they do, does that, but they got it. But he comes into the house saying that he just got hit by a car. Like that's what he says on the ring. He don't look at it. He, he, that's what he says when he goes in there. So I don't know what's going on. No, all right. Um, but he, but he hasn't is, been evaluated to say how long he would be no, out. Yet. But that is, you know, that he was averaging twenty for the team. Of course, you they. Of course, you don't want to make another move right now. But you know why not? But would you like to even see them bring in somebody who's like I said, of course, maybe it is just a sniper move. Maybe he doesn't get right. a 20, but the shooter he brings is almost equivalent to a player giving you 20 a night. See, and I don't even think it got to be somebody. It could be somebody that averages nine, but they like get all nine of it off of threes. Nah, so, yeah, right. so I would still so be aggressive in bringing somebody in. Yeah, for sure. I, I would still be aggressive in bringing somebody in. I wouldn't be over-aggressive with bringing somebody in that replaced Ubre unless it comes out that like he's – He's really not going to be back for a while, but it seems like like he had a, a broken rib, I believe. I'm looking at on basketball reference. Shout out to basketball reference again. He sustained a broken rib. He's going to be reevaluated again in a week. That's what they put out on Sunday, uh, the 12th. So in a couple of days, he's going to re- be reevaluated. A broken rib isn't the end. Like, I think he'll still be able to come back and be who he is. So a shooter, Caruso, and Caruso can shoot. It could You could get that within getting him. And he's also going to, you know, bring the defense, and he's going to bring something offensively. Um, I would be like you were the first person I heard said that. That's who I would be trying to get. Add Caruso, and then see around the league. Can you find? I thought this was a good opportunity for Mo Bamba, but he's clearly not an NBA player. Um, and I'm okay. Like, hey, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I thought he could be a solid player, and I thought this was another opportunity. But it's like at some point they need a backup center. I know people like Paul Reed. Paul Reed is not it. He's just not. Um, they need a backup center. And somebody can just play 15, 20 minutes per game. That's not 6'9". <laughs> <laughs> Big problem, right? Yeah. Big and, and, like, and it has worked. Like when they had players like Drummond as a backup center that just plays these couple minutes a game, he led the league, led backups and rebounded. You need something like that. They tried to do it with like Dwight, and that didn't work. But you need something like that. Dwight, uh, Joel has never – 
I'm, I'm not gonna say never, but they, they haven't stuck to it because even those backup centers that played well, they grew their value and they traded them for something else and kept being left without a backup center because it's like, oh dang, Drummond still can play a little bit. Then you trade for him, it's like, oh no, he can't. <laughs> but they done gave up something, so yeah. No, nah, yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. The Milwaukee Bucks, who of course made their blockbuster trade this summer for Dame Lillard. Just haven't had their ups and downs. I know defensively they're not what people want to see them be at. Dame had 37 the other night without Giannis. We saw Giannis go on a big scoring streak, a couple 50-point games, high 30s. Of course, like you say, when you make those trades, you do want to get them in at training camp so you can start figuring everything out. But they did also hire a new coach this year. They did bring in a bunch of different pieces. Jay Crowder's getting more minutes than he got last year when he got on the team. The Grand Game Malik Beasley. Um, it just seemed like, I don't know. I know Chris Middleton be on the court with Dane, but it never seems like Chris Middleton is on the court with Dane. Um, Giannis missed the last game, but they won that one. Are you surprised that Milwaukee is having a kind of up-and-down season when you think about a new offensive system, new defensive system, totally different player at the starting point guard with Dane to compare to Drew Holiday last year? I could not completely honestly seven and four seven and four so far. Um, the thing I've been most surprised with, and I know he had like some surgery over the summer or cleanup. They said it was a cleanup, but it just seems like Chris Middleton, like him and Clay, are declining like crazy rapidly. right now, very rapidly. Clay didn't have you know I know he had to, he's a year right removed from his knee injury. Chris Middleton. He had, like I said, he had a cleanup over the summer. They said it wasn't a surgery. It was just like he cleaned some stuff up. But, he, like, he's only averaging, like, 11 points per game right now. Um, I, I'm not really worried about them, honestly. I have always thought that they could probably, with Chris Middleton declining, I would maybe add something like that to my bench maybe. So then if you can get two of those. That can make up some of his production. Because I honestly thought Chris Middleton was going to be like 16 points per game. Not even no. like 20. I thought he was going to be at least above 15 points per game. And, you know, his struggle has been real. Still early, and he did have to miss some training camp and stuff like that. So players are working their way into shape. On top of getting used to this new dynamic of the team that they have with the new coach. But um, I think in the long run, they'll be okay. But you're going to need Middleton to step up. I know people think that Marjan Bochamp can provide some things for them. I like him, I and I, I do think that very, there's a role for him. But that's what that's what I'm gonna say. This is your chance and to be fair. be consistent with with anything. Be every night we're gonna get ten points because of your steals and fast break plays, and even if it's not within consistency within your shot or within ball handling. It got to be something where you consistent, where they have to put you. Because honestly, he should. I like Malik Beasley, but both champs should yeah, be starting. He should, he should be getting Minnesota Malik game that time. But no, I think that's to say that he's being inconsistent is fair. And I was going to ask a question that's not necessarily related to the subject, but it, but you just you know him being inconsistent. Do you think it's kind of? I know at one point it was a consensus that we're going to give young players a chance to grow and develop. We're not just going to call players a bust or you know, disappointments, whatever, this, that, and the third. But do you think it's kind of unfair to not admit when a young player is just isn't playing at his best or he's being super inconsistent and not just trying to worry about what he could be with the proper coaching and minutes and playing time and whatnot? Just right. sometimes, like, maybe we don't tell the truth because we 
want to speak so positively of these young players who just now getting the chance to be in the NBA. And that's be a cop out because like, what's proper coaching? You're on a team that's competing for a championship. The the culture there isn't like shot or anything like that. But it, it obviously is like when you're on one of these teams, you have to find a role and you have to be consistent in that role. You're playing with Dane and with Giannis. They both have averaged thirty, so your role isn't gonna come in your scoring. And his shooting numbers are fine. They're not terrible, but it is still within playing with those players. It's finding your ways to be aggressive, and that's where the consistency comes in. Cutting to the basket, being available and findable on the court offensively to knock down your shots. And if you're making an impact defensively, they can't help but get you the ball. You don't got to pass me the ball if I'm getting steals and fast break points. Like, I'm going to get my own bucket. So I think it's just ways in those where – because I agree – he should, there's no reason Pat Connaughton should be taking minutes over. And then Malik Beasley, I get it because he, because of the shooting that he's going to provide, and that's what he's out there for, it's mainly the shooting. But even within that, like, you should be taking all Beasley's minutes as well. And with Chris Middleton, with his decline, I'd be taking some of his <laughs> minutes too, honestly. So it, I do think that there's ways to be, to give players time, but then still be open and honest that it's like, there is some more that you could do because a player that's making impact isn't being kept off the court. Even if you, your shooting numbers aren't great, even if you have a lapse defensively here or there, if you're consistently making an impact every night, they're not going to play you off the court. Your bad shooting nights, your good shooting nights, your mistake nights, if you make an impact, you're going to be on the court. No, yeah, for sure. Like you say, Milwaukee is 7-4. I think after a trades like that, people are going to be a little overdramatic when things aren't. When you don't start off 11-0 or 10-1 and or whatnot, so 7-4 isn't where people think they should be. And they didn't even really play together in training camp like that. I mean, like I think they played one preseason game yeah, together. Yeah, for sure. So, Maybe two, but I know one. Maybe two. Once again, like I say, it is 11 games into the season, so who knows what could happen. They, go, they can hit a 20-game win streak. We don't even realize it because the season is just playing out that way. Right, so I think they, they'll be fine in the end. Like when we get to the end of the season, we're gonna be talking Miami, we're gonna be talking Milwaukee, we're gonna be talking Philly, we're gonna be talking Boston. It's who else can insert themselves that into that conversation? Fire. Honestly, um, is it who? Who else is it gonna be in the East? Is it gonna be the Hawks? Is it gonna be the Knicks? Indiana is hooping right now. Is, no, it, is sure. it gonna be them? Can Orlando make a push? I don't know. We'll see. No, nah, yeah, for sure. Um, couple, the beginning of the season, we were all questioning Jason Kidd and some of his rotation, rotational things he was doing. We all wanted to see him play Jaden Hardy a bit more. I don't know if you've noticed, but Jaden Hardy has been getting a lot of minutes lately uh, with or without you know Kyrie playing or whoever is or isn't available. Do you like seeing coaches make those small adjustments as the season go on? Because Jason Kidd didn't have to do that, but he's saying they did need somebody else who could push the offense in a way that Kyrie or Luka can because outside of those two, everybody else is kind of shooters or people who need, you know, somebody to give them the ball in their hand. So do you like that he has noticed that he did need another player like that? He had another player like that already, so he is kind of inserting Jaden Hardy into some you know, minutes in here, here or there? Right, yeah. I mean, it's good to see that he's going to make the proper adjustments and 
Dallas, they're nine and three right now. But you got to figure out the right players that you're fitting around because clearly you're doing everything around Luca and Kyrie. That's that's gonna be the the blueprint. I right, bet we that's where we at. You got to put people around him that completely fit. You did the right thing from the jump with Lively, uh, putting him out there. He still isn't starting every game, which you need right. to be. So, but you made the right move, putting him out there and letting him go from there. But instead of putting those constant shooters around him and then still people that can be aggressive and create for themselves. And I, I, I figured from the start, like, maybe you had to make a decision between Hardy and Seth. But one of them I felt like should have been playing. At least one of them should have been playing. Um, and I'm a fan of, of Hardy. Uh, I think his shooting numbers are going to go up more now that his minutes are up. Like, he's gonna he, he can shoot the ball for real. He can score for real. And um, he brings – he because you're going to need that coming off that bench, too, for those minutes when Luka and them aren't playing. But I would want him being comfortable being on the court with them also. So, sure. it's good to see that Jason Kidd is making that – uh, adjustment, I still don't think he's the right coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're yeah, not even asking all that. I do want to know if, like if, he did, if he did that. And like, when you yeah. see coaches do that, because I think, um, go, to go back to Golden State, like I said earlier, I don't think, I don't know if people notice or if people just think it's a good decision. Um, Kevon Looney has been coming off the bench behind Dario Sarge for the past couple of weeks. I always thought that Kevon Looney and Steph Curry would be the only two players who if nobody else is going to start, they're going to start every night. We all, you know, coaches make adjustments as, as the season goes. Some good, some bad. Some going to get discussed. Some are going to get discussed. But you like to say, with all teams, you do got to figure out what are the right, right rotations, what players play well together. And before we get out of here, I want to bring up one more player, um, Tyrese Halliburton, who seems to be trying to push yourself in the top five point guard positional category. I don't think people notice how well uh, he's playing. It's like you said, Phil, you know, Indiana has been playing well. They could be trying to insert themselves into that top five in the East. Do you think Tyrese Halliburton has a chance to pass any of his peers at that point guard spot this year? Because I think he's having like, what, 23 and 12 right now? Yeah, he's somewhat close to that, and then Indiana's winning. And, you know, it. Last year, they started off so well, and he was playing really well, and then he got hurt, and that kind of hindered some things in what they were doing. Um, as far as his peers, like, I do think this is putting him up there where you're going to have conversations with where where he's falling as far as the top five point guards in the NBA go. Uh Especially when you consider like who do you consider as a point guard? Because I would say he's a people would say that he's a traditional style point guard. He's averaging twenty five and twelve. Oh, hey, I'm talking about I'm <laughs> uh, But he's out there. I was gonna say he's scoring. He's passing the ball as well too. So, but you could see that he's really the engine for that team. And I do. I think. The main conversation as far as who he's passing, I would say is people going to ask, has he passed, like, Trey yet? Is it – because, I mean, was he behind Shea? Were they I – don't, I don't know if he was behind him or not already. I think the conversation would mainly be Trey Young or Ja Morant. Um, but I think I think no one's passing Ja until I see Ja play this year because Ja was putting up 26, 27 points a game and his team was a top three team in the West. Um, so, I know people may forget about Ja – 
But I'm still not putting Tyree Halliburton above Ja. Even though I 25 mm-hmm. and 12 is crazy. It's 24.7 and 12 and a half. So that's that's incredible numbers. And they're winning. Um, and he's clearly like an impact player. He's, he's a, a next-level impact player. Um, but I definitely think about it. If he keeps this up, because you got to stay healthy, because that was the problem last year, because that played mm-hmm. a part in it also, staying healthy. It's gonna be real conversation, yeah, about where he lands. Top five, top ten point guards in the NBA at twenty five and twelve. I don't see how we would keep him out of the top five, um, honestly. Uh, no, nah, for sure. So, no, nah, because like I say, it's not. You know, it's a different style. It's not necessarily a different style because people will say, you know, he's traditional with a twelve and a half assists. But you see players like say, if I was to say his peers like the Shays. Yeah, um, De'Aaron Foxes, Josh, Trey Young. Outside of Trey Young, all those dudes are around, which isn't bad. And we have to remember that, like, six assists isn't bad, especially when you're giving me 30 a night. You know, Darius Garland, those seven, seven eight, whether it's giving you 22, 23, and Shea Case is giving you 30. Do you think having the 12 assists on top of the 25 kind of holds, should hold a little more weight in, play, in fans and kind of people's eyes? Because Wait, the who? Like averaging twenty five and twelve to where it's like Shay give you Shay giving you thirty, but he probably just gonna give you about six or seven assists, which isn't bad. But you know, you think Shay's thirty and six hold a little more weight in fans and analyst eyes than the Tyrese Halliburton who's giving you twenty five and twelve, which is by all standards like you would consider him a top three point guard any other time. Right. I, I like definitely think it should hold more weight, and then I, I, I'm I'm thinking about it because I'm like, remember the year Trey Young did it? Like people didn't even care that he led the league in points and assists. So it's like Halliburton's not even leading in points, but I I just think with his points and his assists, what he's averaging, he's at a perfect number to me because if you also just watch how they play, he is really running their team. Right, He's sure. really setting the table for everybody. Miles Turner's having a good year. Buddy Hill is hooping. Aaron Neesmith is having a solid year. I would say if anybody's probably having a down year, it's because his role is different as a starter, though, which is why you got to watch what you ask for is Ben. Because <laughs> Ben is – his scoring is down, which doesn't necessarily mean he's playing bad, but – that was his impact last year. Was his score? Well, that was a big part of his impact. But you have to do different things now in the starting lineup because Tyrese is kind of handling everything and he's going to play through Miles Turner. He's going to get his looks and stuff like that. But Halliburton is the conductor of that team, and I think that plays a part. And if his numbers look bigger to me, pause when you watch how they play, like. If you watch how they play, you like, hey, he only getting twenty five and twelve because it look like he getting thirty five and twenty. How he runs the team, honestly, um, and he's gonna put like, cause he's gonna go on them runs where he's providing the scoring. He's knocking down. He'll hit two, three threes in a row. Then he'll come off and drop a couple dimes, and it just be simple. I saw somebody say the other day, and I thought it actually was a pretty good comparison. Um, they said that they thought that Tyrese Halliburton became what. People thought that Lonzo Ball was going to be because his assists aren't even just him. Like, he's throwing the lobs, but he'll throw it, throw it up real quick. And then you get one bucket and there's a layup. He'll push it up for him having to get all the way down and set a pick. All his assists don't got to come off pick and roll. Right. I can throw it over there to you and we good. I can put put you in the spot where you want to be. I can push it forward. And that was always a thing with Lonzo. 
obviously I feel like Lonzo's a way more elite defender than he is, but I feel like he's a better uh, shooter than Lonzo was. But I, I saw that and I was like, that is pretty interesting because I did think at Lonzo's peak, if he reached that level, he could have been 20 points per game and like 11, 12 assists a game. So I thought that was a pretty cool comparison. No, I'm sure not. That actually is a good comparison. But other than that, you got anything else for the episode for this episode? Nah, just other than that, just appreciate the supporters as always. You know, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Do your Googles, search the Hoopers Pod, shout out to the Off the Ball Network. Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, that being said, I'm John W. Fresh X. We are the Hoopers. <laughs>